caring for orphans, which is what the topic in here, in, in case you weren't looking for that, caring for orphans is the topic in here. And uh, it's a uniquely Christian thing to do. That's what I want to start off by explaining. Caring for orphans is a uniquely Christian thing to do. I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later on, but um, only Christians have had God the Father adopt us into his family. And so only Christians really understand adoption. Now, there's all kinds of people who adopt, right? Not just Christians adopt. Not just Christians care for orphans. But really, this work is the work of Christians. And so, <clears throat> um, I think all of you know who I am, so I'm going to skip telling you anything about myself. Um, but this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk mostly about orphans, about why it's important that we love them, about the various ways that we can love them, including adoption, and especially focusing uh, for part of it on adoption. And um, I want us also to, in that time, have a discussion. So I'll, I'll take some of the Q&A time um, to think particularly beyond adoption um, to what the work is that, that men can do for orphans, in caring for orphans, all right? So what I'm going to start with is James 1.27. That's going to be the text that we're going to base all of this on. And it says, James 1.27, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, having read that, our first inclination, I think, at least my first inclination, is to ask the question, what does it mean to visit orphans? If it, or to visit widows in their distress. What does it mean to visit them? And obviously, it means more than simply going out to the street corner where they're living in a cardboard box and saying, hi, can I stay for dinner? Right? That's not what... James is talking about when he says pure and undefiled religion is to visit orphans in their distress. So we know that it means substantially more than the word visit would normally mean in our minds, right? And in fact, visiting orphans, like most other mercy ministry work, has changed drastically from the time that James was writing, right? And from his time, it had changed drastically from uh, much of the Old Testament writing that we have in, that's commanding us to care for orphans, strangers, widows, the aliens within the gate, all right? And so this is something that, that changes depending on your context. What is it going to look like to visit orphans, widows, and their distress? Well, that, that really depends, and so it's a very generic way to put it. Visit the orphans means something. And what we have to figure out is what it means today. All right? But the gist of it is loving them. We see that? I mean, the gist of it is underneath that is showing a care for them that's active, 
not passive. So he doesn't say the pure and undefiled religion is to love the orphan and the widow, but he but he makes it he makes it active. The word visit is unescapably active in a way that love ought to be always, but is oftentimes ignored by us to, to mean just a feeling, right? That you don't actually have to act on or do anything. Well, visit, there's no escaping the active nature of that. And so <clears throat> um, we can't simply passively claim that we love the orphan. We have to actively work to love them. And visiting them is the word that, that James uses. And we could, we could put it in a number of different, we could use any number of different words that as long as they're active, might give us the same connotations. So before we get into the details though of what it means to visit orphans or to actively love orphans today, we need to answer another question first. And that is, why are we to love orphans? Because unless we understand that first, the whole thing is just going to fall apart in the, in the details. Um, so why are we to love orphans? Well, the command, to start with, it's a command and it's explicit. It's, there's no escaping the work that we're commanded to do with regard to orphans and with regard to loving them, caring for them, doing the work of providing for them. Jeremiah 5, 28 and 29 um, is a description of the people of Israel. I believe he's writing about Israel here. I, should, uh, I might have to go check that again. But um, <clears throat> description of a people, and it says, they are fat, they are sleek. Now, fat and sleek is... Sleek, what, where do you hear the word sleek in to connect together with fat? Cows, yes. <laughs> All right. Fat, sleek cows. All right. It says, they are fat, they are sleek, they also excel in deeds of wickedness. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the orphan, that they may prosper. And they do not defend the rights of the poor. Shall I not punish these people, declares the Lord? On a nation such as this, shall I not avenge myself? And so I could have gone to any number of different Old Testament passages and New Testament passages that, that make clear, like James does, the, so explicitly the command to care for orphans. Now, <clears throat> many of the places in the Old Testament where you hear... Uh, where you hear orphans being referred to actually uses a different word. Can anybody think of another word that it would use talking about orphans? Fatherless. The fatherless. Yeah. Now we're going to go into that a little bit more later on. I'm going to try to expand our categories of thinking when we think of orphan. And so what I'm starting to do that right now by saying, okay, <clears throat> orphan brings it to mind a picture, right? What is it? What does orphan bring to? What picture does orphan bring to mind for us? Great Depression, orphanage. Yeah, orphanage is the Great Depression, maybe, or in another country today. Um, so the past, and um, what else? What kind of pictures does it bring to mind? 
Yep, kids in rags. But the word fatherless doesn't necessarily bring to mind the same picture, does it? What kind of, what, what do we think of when we think of fatherless? What do we picture? A home. Yeah, a single parent home. Wonder. Divorce, what? What else? A wanderer. A wanderer. Cut off. Cut off. Yeah. Even someone with a bad father. Okay, so we'll go back into that in a little bit, but just let's start by recognizing by, by recognizing that we're going to be pushing out on, on our small thinking of orphan as, as we go on, all right? Um, so let me read this again. Jeremiah 5, 28 and 29. They are fat, they are sleek, they also excel in deeds of wickedness. And then following what, what the deeds of wickedness are, it kind of goes into a more, descript, more description of what that means. And one of, the, one of the examples is that they don't plead the cause, the cause of the orphan, that the orphan may prosper. And <clears throat> that they don't defend the rights of the poor. And the next verse says, Shall I not punish these people, declares the Lord. On a nation such as this, shall I not avenge myself? And so... All through the Bible, Old and New Testament, we've got these explicit commands that we are to be doing this work and the threats of punishment if we refuse to do that work. All right? So that's, that's really the, the most basic way to answer the question, why must we do this? Well, because we have been commanded to. Now, we're going to have to have a good understanding then of what it means to do it. And that's what we'll get to, but, but we're still on why. Why are we going to do this? Um, it's pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father. Now, what exactly does it mean to, for that to be described as pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father? Well, as Pastor Baker was just teaching us, God shows his love for us by adopting us. Right? It's one of the ways that God shows his love for us. He talked about the, the fact that it's not just legal, but also relational. Right? He, he was talking about the fact of adoption being God's love active for his people. And so, <clears throat> if, if this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father... What I want to follow up by saying, you know, where did what was the final what was the final thing Stephen said? He said that it was um, that it was legal. He said that it was relational. And then what did he say? It was more than that. And he spent a whole bunch of time pushing us to what? Therefore, obey. Right. It was meant to lead to something. And so, <clears throat> in other words, this is the command. This, these, these, this is one of the many, many commands of the therefore. Therefore, obey. And obey how? Well, obey by doing the work that he also has, that he also has done. So, I'm not here to, to tell everybody that everybody has to adopt. Okay? I, I, I'm not here to say that everybody has to adopt. 
But I am here to say that everybody has to obey the commands to love the orphan and care for them. And that this is one of the, the, the most basic ways that the New Testament describes relig true religion, is to care for the orphan. Now, why is that? Well, it's because it is the most basic way that we do what God has also done. We have been adopted, therefore we adopt. Or I should say, we have been loved, therefore we love. Now where does that... We have that written explicitly, right? It's uh, 1 John 4.19. We love because what? He first loved us. And so, the why flows from the fact that we have been loved. The, the why flows from the fact that this is modeling God's love for us. This is pouring out on others the love that overflows within us when we receive God's love that fills us. The undeserved nature of that love, Stephen talked a little bit about that, right? And, and we, we, we know, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. That was the act that brought us to the point of being adopted as sons. And so, the love is for the undeserving. The love is poured out on who? Not people who, not people who you, you, would, you would want, that the world would want. Not people who, um, who will be able to pay back. Right? And so, <clears throat> this is why I, I started out by saying adoption is uniquely Christian. Okay? Um, it flows out of the fact that Christians have been adopted. The, the fact that God loved us in our sin, the, God, the fact that God loved us while we were squirming in our blood... Right? The fact that God took that action, that, that is what we as Christians are called to imitate. <clears throat> That's why this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father, because it is the, 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 the most basic way of showing that, of, of portraying for the world to see in the most clearly obvious way that God loved his people who were undeserving. All right? Is everybody tracking? Any questions right here? Okay. So, why do I say that, that adoption is uniquely Christian? Well, because adoption, or, or just any kind of caring for the orphan, let me, again, expand it for a second, but, but adoption is a beautiful picture of the love that God showed for His children. It is an imitation. It, like marriage, shows in this world, physically, the spiritual reality of our adoption. Right? Stephen pointed that out. He was talking about how he was actually pointing out the similarities all the way up until he said, and then, but there's actually a difference. And the difference was what? That, that our adoption can't change the nature of those that we adopt. The way that God's adoption changes our nature. 
But, but it still is meant to be that same picture. It's meant to be a portrayal of the love that God had for us. Now, I was fascinated to find out that Muslims don't adopt. Okay? I've heard this from numerous different people who have who've grown up in Muslim countries or are Muslims. All right? Um, it, it, is a, it is kind of a shocking thing to Muslims to hear about adoption. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions. But if you want to adopt internationally, you don't adopt from a Muslim country, from a Muslim nation. Now, there's a reason for this. And it's because adoption is uniquely Christian. And, and now, I, I don't know how much you know about, about Islam or about Muslims and about their faith, but if you, think about, if you think about this just for a second, what I've been saying, that this is a portrayal, that this is, a, that this is an imitation, this is a declaration in this world physically of the spiritual reality of God's love for us, it'll make all the sense in the world to hear that Muslims don't adopt. Because Muslims don't have a loving God. Muslims don't have a God who has reached down and, and come into relation with them and adopted them as sons. And so their, their, their religion doesn't have a place for that. Their God doesn't have a place for that. And they, in turn, don't have a place for that. They can't portray that picture because they don't have that reality. Okay? Now, who's the most famous person who's adopted? Steve Jobs. Has he? I don't think well, he's as... He, he oh, yeah, he, he was adopted. I'm sorry, who has adopted? Angelina Jolie, I think, is probably the most famous person who has adopted. Now, is Angelina Jolie a Christian? Okay, well, now, what, what, what am I trying, why am I going down this path? Why would I, why would I talk, start talking about Angelina Jolie? Because we, we, if we're awake, we should be thinking, oh, I don't know, that's a bit extreme to say thus and thus, Muslims don't adopt or this. Yeah, yeah, when I, when I say this is uniquely Christian, immediately, if, if you guys aren't thinking it, you ought to be thinking it, but there's all kinds of people who adopt that aren't Christians. Yeah, what were you saying? Yeah, I was thinking immediately, even though I think I know the answer, um, uh, that... Art is uniquely Christian, and yet horrible centers who are not Christians make art. Yes. So yeah, so there are all kinds of places where this is true in, in the Christian faith, where things that are uniquely Christian, the world still grasps in some manner, has in a, in a deformed state. Yeah, okay. And so, um, and so I don't mean to... Go ahead. I was going to say, although with adoption, as opposed to art, it is still primarily true, whereas art has almost been taken over by the yeah. away from Christians, whereas if you are in the adoption world, you will find that the majority of the cases still, it is actually true that it's Christians that adopt. Yes, yes. Now, now so, so there's a lot of, there has been a, a, a large growth of adoption by non-Christians, okay? But it is still primarily Christians doing the work of adoption. Now, why is that different than art, where it's not primarily Christians doing the work? Well, the reason, what's that? That's right, yeah. It's because there is no glory 
in adoption. There is no glory in caring for orphans, right? It costs a lot of money. It, makes a, it, it requires a lot of sacrifice. Now, when Angelina Jolie adopted, what changed? There began to be glory in it. Okay. Right, because because there was this famous person, and everybody names their kids after famous people and does what do what famous people do, right? And so there was this short burst of like, oh yeah, adoption is great. Now, what was the what was the motivation of non Christians following this this popular trend of adoption from Ethiopia or from China or from wherever? To be like their gods. Yes. Or goddesses. And 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 goddesses. And and was it was it was it did it have anything to do with true adoption? Did it have anything to do with caring for the orphan and the widow? Only only as much as as atrocious anti God art does. Are you are you following me? I mean, I wasn't talk, planning on using. I wasn't planning on using art as my as my foil here, but but Aaron brings it in, and it's a great it's a great way to compare. Um, so, <clears throat> our love is to be like God's love. The point of adoption is not to um, is not to serve ourselves, which is what was going on in this. In this little mini explosion of adoption, where it became popular, it was about serving ourselves. All right, and it was—it had nothing to do with with Christianity. It had nothing to do with true adoption. It did not imitate. It did not mimic. Oh, what was the story? I was. I. Never mind. I. It, not going to be able to get the details. So, um, Luke, I'm going to read. I'm going to read a few verses from Luke 14 to to go into this further. Um, Luke 14, 12 through 14, and he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, "When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, what? They might pay, they might pay you back. Yeah, they might. They may also invite you in return." And that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so I want to make a distinction in our minds here. This is what I've been trying to do. Make a distinction in our minds between adoption and adoption. Between adoption and, and loving and caring for the orphan. Between anti Christian, anti-God adoption and caring for the orphan, and godly loving and caring for the orphan. All right? Matthew 25, 34 to 36 gives a similar, uh, connects similarly to this. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Now, that's Jesus speaking of the judgment. 
and speaking to the sheep, he separates the sheep and the goats, and he says to the sheep, come in, because you did the work, the pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. And they're shocked. When did we do this? Is the, is the response. And he says, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. Right? And so... <clears throat> There is no escaping, as Christians, there is no escaping the necessity of the work of caring for the least of these. Orphans are the most needy. Orphans can't pay us back. Orphans are the most easily abused. All right? And you, you, you just you, you go down the line and... and and this is the group that, he's, that Jesus is talking about when he says the least of these. The lame, the poor, the sick, the blind, those who can't pay you back. Those are the people. Those are the ones. And so, <clears throat> now, let's return to, my first, to, to that question I said before. Who are the orphans? Who are orphans? It seems, I mean, it almost seems like a crazy question. But it's very important in doing the work that we understand who we're talking about. All right? I want to give you some categories. All right? Orphans indeed. And like uh, Paul says, put widows, in, put widows onto the list who are widows indeed. All right? So orphans indeed are what? Yeah, no mother, no father. Their parents are dead. They're orphans indeed. No one, no family. I mean, and really to say orphans indeed, you would, you would probably expand it beyond just no father and no mother, but you would say nobody at all, right? What other categories do we have? Jason is doing a session. Um, I don't think it's going on right now. I think it's the next time, but um, on... Caring for the unborn. Okay? This is a category of orphan. Really. Do you understand that? Why, the, the, those, those children that are being aborted are fatherless. They're orphans in a way that really, even the orphan indeed it hasn't been orphaned to that extent that their parents would murder them. All right? Are you following with me with this, these categories? And, and so then you've got the abandoned. Okay? Their mother, their father, they may still be alive, both. But they've been abandoned. Now, how does what do I mean by abandoned? Go back to ancient Rome and, and, the, and the parents of unwanted children, especially daughters, and this is still the case today in India, all right, you know, they, will, they would take their children that were unwanted and just put them up, you know, put them outside somewhere on the hills and just leave them. Abandoned. Abandoned to death. Not actively putting them to death, but abandoned to, to death. All right. And so it was the Christians that would go up to the hills and, and hear the crying and collect the children and adopt them, care for them, bring them into their homes and make them their own. 
this is, this is the question then, well, who are the abandoned today? What would the, who would the abandoned be? Yeah, kids who, who yeah, kids whose parents just don't just don't pay any attention to them, or just they, they, they've abandoned them emotionally. They may be they may sleep there, but um, but they're just you know they're orphans. Okay, I want to, I want us to I want us to bring all of these people ultimately into this category of orphan. Now let's take that let's take that more let's make that more extreme. What else? Who else is the abandoned? Yes. Yeah, abused. Do you see how they've been abandoned? Who else are the abandoned? Um, kids who their parents aren't Christians and they have no guidance in things of God, so they're just sort of wandering on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those who are never disciplined would be how I would summarize what you just said. They don't have a father that loves them because the father, loving father disciplines his children. Now, abandoned, I mean, you guys aren't stating the most obvious. Parents walk out, right? There's a, there was a very popular song, and I, I had no idea what it was about for a long time, and then I listened to the w- lyrics. And it was about, um, they made up, they, well, I'll just excuse the lyrics. They made up their minds, and they started walking. Left before the sun came up that day. Just got up and left it all behind them. And the song is talking about leaving the kids in bed while they're just asleep. You guys, this is on popular radio. It just it kills me that this is what we are entertained by is our music. And I listened to it for, I mean, I, I heard this song. I, I knew the tune and everything for, for years before I understand what the words were. And these... I was talking to a man, a pastor yesterday, and he told me that his... Uh, his wife was in their church, and a 13-year-old girl came in and walked up to her and said, you'll rescue me, won't you? And her mom had just left, given birth. She's 13. Her father has never cared for them, just been around, never, done, never provided anything for them. The mother did everything. And the 13-year-old, an 8-year-old, and like a 3-day-old, and she left. She's gone. She abandons her family. These are the orphans. These are the, the unwanted, the abandoned. This happens. It doesn't just happen with fathers. I mean, we've seen this. I think you've all seen this countless, countless times. Fathers just walk out. Happens with mothers, too. <clears throat> Get themselves hauled off to jail. The kids are left with no- nothing, with nobody. 
maybe with grandma. These are the orphans. The abused. The fatherless, whether he's dead or absent. Now how can we love these orphans? We love because he first loved us. Now, if you're talking about like how, like from the details, I think the first thing is seeing, you know, like realizing. I'm just thinking, surely there are orphans in my neighborhood. I wonder who they are. You know. Okay. Yeah. That this is what I want to do now. I want to. I want it actually to be the details. Okay. Now. How much time do I have? We've got to, because I want to spend a little bit of time on on the particulars of adoption, but I want us right now to spend the time discussing what it means to adopt, okay, or to, or I should say, to care for orphans in the particulars. And Daniel makes a wonderful point when he says that the first step in doing that is to see them. What I had written down here was we can't love them if we refuse to be where they are. Okay? We can't love them if we refuse to be where they are. Or, I mean, or bring them where we are. Or <laughs> see them, is what Daniel said. And the Holy Spirit has to open our eyes. And our, and our eyes have to be opened by the Holy Spirit to see. Right? Now this is, this is, flip, this flips on its head the idea of doing this for ourselves. All right? It just, it, it cannot be about doing it for ourselves. How can we care for the orphans? Let's, let's get into the particulars. All right? We've got, some, we've got a variety of ca categories. Somebody pick one. Who do we want to talk about? Yeah. When you adopted Tate, uh, no doubt you left taking one and leaving so many behind. Mm -hmm. And you have a heart for those as well. You became father to Tate, but still there's lodged in your heart the love for the ones you have to leave behind. And so. For example, doing what you're doing today, teaching on adopting, goading, if I may use such a coarse word, goading others to get involved, to be adoptive parents in whatever way, by whatever means they have. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Teaching people, reminding people that this is the work of, that this is the, this is part of the most basic part of what it means to be a Christian, is to care for the weak and the helpless, to pour our love out that God has poured into us, loving because he first loved us, and the, the kinds of people that he loved. <laughs> yes? Seeing if there's anyone in your small group or you know, people that you know, and you know, the 
kids find out what they're into, if they play soccer, go to their soccer games, or, yeah, so so bringing the, this this brings it into the church in a, in a wonderful way. There are people in the church who don't have fathers. Okay, some people literally divorced homes, single parent homes. Some people um, <clears throat> through absent fathers. Some through absent emotionally fathers. And so part of the work in, in bringing it into the church is seeing those children at, for who they are. All right? The most needy of children in the smaller group are what? They're also the most irritating. So, I mean, demanding, yes, uh, okay, and uh, trouble, yes, but I mean, irritating is what I was thinking. They're, they're the most problem, aren't they? Yes. Almost always. It's, and so what's our temptation? Yeah, just to ignore, to look away, to not see, to not want to see, to avoid the responsibility. Why? We don't want to be responsible. Why else? It's, hard work. it's, it's just ridiculously hard work. Why else? We convince ourselves that parents don't want to deal with it. Yeah, so, so <clears throat> you, uh, you look and you see the mother is, is just not willing to do anything and not going to be a help in your work of trying to... And so, forget it. It's not even worth it. And then all of a sudden, not even worth it, gets to, I think, what is central to it, which is it's not going to build the small group, is what we think, right? It's going to take all of our time and energy without producing any fruit, right? This is, this is how we think. There's not, there's, there, aren't, there isn't going to be benefit like there would if, you know, we brought in a family that had... Um, that had a good father and a good mother and, and a couple of kids that were well-behaved. The benefit there is what? They'll be able to have you over for dinner. That's the benefit. Right? <laughs> well, they'll help you with the work of... Yes, I mean, there are benefits, okay? Don't get me wrong, but, but also so much of it is just that it's about, it's about us receiving benefit. It's about us being paid back. Okay, so there are, there, are, there are those in the church. There are those just outside the church to be brought in to the small group, to, to, to wherever within the church you're working, that you've got a choice. You can, you can look at those that have the need and you can care for them. Or you can look for those who don't have needs and not care for them. And that'll be easy, and it will be pointless. Now let's let's take it outside the church. Well, let's pick another category. Yes. When our when our when our own children reach a certain age, they can be they can be trained and instructed to look out for the 
the ones who need friends. Yes, yes, yes. The work of the work of being a father partly includes teaching your children to love those who are unloved themselves. So you model it, and then you teach it. And your, your children will be friends to those who are friendless. They will be those who stand up for and defend the defenseless. As little men and little women <laughs> growing in godliness. That's what they'll do. Go ahead. This is ridiculous, but it's not. Uh, maybe even an orphan to cat or dog with your small child. I mean, I've, I've had that model by my dad. Showing concern for the weakest, the most outcast, the most defenseless can be done in, the most, in, in, in many, many, many different ways. The kids stop there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, but it is a, it's, a, it's a good indication, you know, of, uh, of showing of showing care, it can, it can happen at the most basic of levels, even with animals. It can be modeled and demonstrated to your children. Now, there are orphans indeed. Yeah, okay, Nisha, yes. Uh, well, I thought it was a category, okay. uh, especially like military wives, who said that they're gone for like a year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great example. Anybody else? Two minutes, please. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I want to give a warning now. And then, okay. Uh, the warning is, I've been, I've been pushing out our boundaries of understanding of who orphans are. And I haven't gotten, we, I mean, we've, I haven't been able to go into as much detail as I want. But... <clears throat> It, it immediately it begins to include um, families where there's a mother and no father, and the fatherless, they are fatherless, right? They need fathers. They need men who will step into their lives and discipline them, okay? Love them, all right? Now, what's the, what's the danger? What's the warning that I'm going to give right here? For you men... Going into, do, begin doing that work, what's the temptation? The wives are husbandless. The wives are husbandless. You are to care for both, the, both that woman and her children. All right? You cannot be her husband. And you must not fall into adultery, emotional intimacy in an inappropriate way in your work to do that. Yes? Yeah, but allowing it to happen, yes. Do you, are you all tracking with what she said? That's the, that's, the, that's the warning that has to be stated in this work. We have to expand our understanding of what it means to care for orphans and widows. We have to take a broader picture of how we can go about doing that, but we have to beware of the dangers. All right, yes? 
please just blow the lid off your categorizing by saying, especially as it, it applies to our topic in this conference of God as Father, mm -hmm. from God's point of view, those who ha don't have him as Father, those who don't have him as husband. Yes. And that's what Daniel was trying to get at when he said that the, the, the children of, of non-believers who've never been led into the, never been taught the faith are orphans in a, in a, in a sense that is, goes well beyond physical or being physically orphaned, right? Being left without God. Um, <clears throat> I know he said I have two minutes and I probably already took two minutes. Um, I want to give a couple last things about adoption particularly. All right, I've, I've been saying that it's not about, um, not about serving uh, yourself, that it's about serving those who can't pay you back. But there are ways, as I said, for us to think about that we're, to, to think that we can benefit. Um, when should you adopt? Not everybody's called to adopt, okay? Not every single person is called to adopt. Every single person is commanded to care for the orphans. But should you adopt? Should you consider adopting? I want to give you some times when you shouldn't, okay? You shouldn't if you're not married. It just needs to be said today because, because it needs to be said and I have to move on. You shouldn't if you're just doing it to serve yourself and your own desires somehow. Maybe wanting to avoid the pain of childbirth. Maybe wanting to do the popular thing, maybe wanting to be seen by men. Okay, there, there are ways that we think that adoption will serve us somehow. Um, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. It's not pure and undefiled religion at that point. All right. You shouldn't if just your wife wants to adopt. Okay. Again, something that's just so common to the adoption scene that has to just be said and just warned against. Um, and finally, there is still, I hope you all understand now, much, much work to be done on behalf of orphans, even if you aren't called to adopt. All right, let's pray.